everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to Uplift My Life Today podcast. My name is Astuti. I'm your host and you are reaching a podcast that offers you inspirations and practical tips to create the life that you love without feeling overwhelmed. Today's episode is the third part of Declutter Your Life series. And I'm going to share with you how I have been decluttering my beliefs. That's right, it's decluttering beliefs as a critical and important part of changing my life. I'm going to share with you the three steps to identify your existing limiting beliefs that you may want to declutter out of your life and how to replace them with ones that uplift you. Before I deep dive into this amazing topic, the one that I can speak for hours, I'd like to acknowledge and share my appreciation towards all of you that have been giving me feedback, questions, and comments after the first two episodes were launched. It really makes me feel great to receive such feedback because it allows me to feel that we are connected through this um, medium. And, and I'm really, really appreciative of your reflection as well um, integrating the feedback that I get from you and hopefully I will be able to address many more topics that interest you in the next few episodes so thank you so much it means a lot to me and uh, please keep them coming all right so decluttering beliefs what is this all about One of the listeners of episode two wrote me the following message. Astuti, with decluttering possession, it is relatively easier to do and digest because I see my things in front of me. I can touch them, I can see them, they are tangible. I'm having a hard time imagining what to do with decluttering beliefs. Where do I start with that? Well, this is a perfect question to kick off this episode. What is belief? Let's start with that. What is belief? Belief, as a definition, is something that we accept to be true or to exist even without always having the proof. Okay, Something that we accept to be true or to exist even without having the proof. And belief is basically assumptions we have in our life about ourselves, about our lives, and about other people. So, for example, a belief statement could be, I am lovable. Life is safe. I am intelligent. Teamwork is difficult. Winning is selfish. Money is the root of all evil, etc., etc., etc. Some beliefs do have uplifting nature and some have limiting ones. So this is something that runs our lives and as a consequence, we see the world um, through the lenses of our beliefs about ourselves, about life and about other people. The most important question is to understand where do our beliefs come from? I'm a therapist 
Um, and one of the tools that I work with is called matrix reimprinting. It's basically a therapeutic method to reprogram beliefs and it's invented by my teacher and his name is Carl Dawson. Carl, in, um, in his book, suggests that in, to understand how we develop our belief systems, the magic number is six. There are six ways in which we create core beliefs and most, and two, most of our core beliefs were formed before the age of six. So, when it comes to belief, the magic number is six. Why have we formed most of our beliefs before we turn six? God, nature, the universe, whichever you associate or feel connected to the most, cleverly designed us this way because we are born, when we are born, we don't have any conscious memories. So basically, in essence, cars give us like a really nice analogy saying that we are actually an empty filing cabinet ready to be filled with memories and beliefs. So we enter the world in a download mode and could easily be filled with memories of experiences and also beliefs that came from the experiences. Now, over the past 20 years or so, scientific, a lot of scientific research has now clearly demonstrated that before the age of two, our dominant brainwave state is delta. And between two and six years old, it is theta. And these two brainwaves make us, when we were a child, or any children really, highly suggestible. What, it, what does it mean? It means that children's minds are like sponges. They're absorbing everything. They see, feel, smell, hear, taste, and touch. The mind of children, before we turn six, are also tuning into information that help them to know intrinsically how to do things like crawling, sleeping, eating, walking, etc. These are the skills that they self-learn it with the information they tune in from somewhere and they are not taught by adults per se. We are starting to be able to teach them in a logical, sensible manner after they turn six because by then the, their conscious mind is now starting to develop and uh, then they could actually thinking this could start to think logically okay but before that the way kids are learning is through repetition you give them inputs they still repeat again and again this is why if you if you have children or if you in, interact a lot with children you see that you cannot tell a child one time and they would remember things it's not how they work or it's not how their mind operates but after six years old they start to have the ability to an analyze and that's because their brain wave turned into beta and the, the, the brain, there's a, another part of their brain develops. So basically, it is in our first six years that we form the most of our core beliefs. And if we encounter any more experiences after that, they are most certainly hardwired into the subconscious mind, okay? So this is why a lot of 
the programming about the beliefs form because up to six years old, any minds, any human minds just absorb everything. And the subconscious mind is looking for a pattern of which which pattern or information that are very consistent and it starts running based on that assumptions. Subconscious mind doesn't make decisions for the person or for us, but it works based on the inputs that we are giving it. So then the next question is, what is a subconscious mind? I must admit, I'm, I was only starting to become familiar with subconscious mind probably about four years ago as I was on a quest on understanding why it is very difficult for me or it was very difficult for me to change a habit, an existing habit. And I started to venture out into, into books about this and then I realized actually subconscious mind exists and it has so much more power over my mind and consequently my life. So, what is subconscious mind? Bruce Lipton, he is a renowned cell biologist and an expert in epigenetics. By the way, somebody somebody that I really respect and follows in terms of work, suggests that subconscious mind is a part of our mind that serves as a database of our beliefs that turns into automatic program. And these automatic programs primarily are derived from the programming a child receives from, get this, the last trimester of pregnancy through the first six years of life. So we or anyone, we started to derive programs from in our lives or the beliefs in our lives starting from the last trimester of us being in our mother's wombs up to the first six years of our lives. Subconscious mind accounts for 95% of the capacity of our mind. It's so mind-blowing. I didn't know this. Uh, I thought the only mind I have is the only mind I could know, which is my conscious mind. Actually, the conscious mind is just 5% capacity of our whole mind. Subconscious mind is indeed the most powerful part of ourselves. If you imagine your mind like an iceberg, for example, the subconscious mind is that part under the surface of the water. It's actually way larger than the iceberg that you could see from above the surface of the water. And Subconscious mind is the part of our mind that stores in unlimited capacity the emotions, the feelings, the trauma, the beliefs, the habits, the, um, the basically the fundamentals programs in which allow us to function every day to keep us safe and to heal ourselves okay so this is where this is what subconscious mind is doing some characteristic of our subconscious mind is that it has no sense of time it does not distinguish past present or future it consists of programs and habits with no limited with unlimited capacity, and the speed is 4 million bits per second.
On the contrary, our conscious mind, the part of our mind that we usually mistakenly think to be the whole part of our mind, counts only for 5% capacity. The main usage of the conscious mind is to think creatively, to analyze, to uh, to think logically. It serves the short-term memory. It has limited capacity. This is why we don't remember what we had for lunch on the 21st of January 2018. It, it's, it, our, our conscious mind doesn't remember this, for example. Um, it recognize, our conscious mind also recognizes past and future, and the speed is only 4 bits per second, you see? So let me stop here for a second and ask you this. Do you understand now why a decision to change something in your life may not be enough to make this happen? For example, when we wake up, when when you wake up in the morning and you decided that you want to move abroad, for example, because logically you know it's good for your career, it's good for your personal growth, making it happen is not as easy as making decisions for it. Why? Because your subconscious holds a lot more power to either help you or block you from doing what you want to do. So if you want to move abroad but you don't feel, but you don't believe that you are able to adapt in the new environment, if you feel like people, um, unfamiliar people is not safe or um, other countries is not safe, if you have this kind of belief, it is not in, it is going to be so difficult for you to act on the change that you want. Let me give you an example, my personal example. When I left my corporate career to own my own business, the network, the skills, the expertise, and the reputation that I had then were just a portion to help me out making my new business successful. As soon as, and actually prior to make this decision, I really went through a process of reviewing whether the beliefs in my subconscious mind would help or block me to be successful in this venture. This is what I mean with decluttering beliefs. I have a new goal and I need to see if the ammunition that I have within me is actually allowing me to achieve or not. There's no point of doing anything that is against your subconscious mind because your subconscious mind is very, very strong. Remember, it holds 95% capacity of your total mind. Back to me again, the story, the, my sharing. If the beliefs that were in my subconscious mind said that having my own company and being my own boss was not safe, my new business venture then was doomed to begin with or was going to be a very difficult journey for me. Our subconscious mind has only one role and it is to keep us safe being in this planet. So what it means also is if it perceives that my conscious minds want to do something that is not safe according to the program in the subconscious mind, it will stop me from doing it or it will block me from doing it or it will self-sabotage my efforts to be successful. You see what I mean? So while I was building my business 
I was also reprogramming and upgrading my beliefs with the help of therapists back in the days who work with subconscious mind. Remember, beliefs are in our subconscious mind and the subconscious mind works differently than our conscious mind. So how can you know what beliefs you have as programs in your subconscious mind? Let me share first how we develop our beliefs. Remember, in the beginning, I said, when it comes to belief, the magic number is six. So there are six ways that Carl Dawson proposed as ways that we form our beliefs. The first is conclusion based on a traumatic experience. As we grow up from the time we're born or even the last trimester in the, in the womb of our mothers, um, when we have a traumatizing experience, which means that our body goes into perceive that the situation is unsafe and it makes our body goes into fight, flight or freeze mode, human usually make a conclusion or make a meaning out of the situations. So we generally make a note, a mental note um, in ourselves and goes into directly into the subconscious mind that the, whatever is involved in that situation is unsafe for us. So it is def definitely going directly into the subconscious mind as a program very, very quickly. So in the future, when a similar situation presents itself, our subconscious mind will do anything to stop us from entering that situation. Okay, so that's one. The second way to form a belief is through learning experience. When we have a powerful learning experience, the learning goes straight into our subconscious mind that, so that we don't have to relearn it. Essentially, all of our basic skills like walking, talking, crawling, eating, etc. are compounded learning experiences. Yet, we are also continually formulating additional subconscious programs based on new information, which has an impact on us. So you can imagine the first six years of our lives, there were so many compounded uh, beliefs lying one on, top, one on top of another. So the third way to, to form a belief is through post-hypnotic suggestions. When we are in an altered state of consciousness and a suggestion is made to us, it automatically goes into our subconscious mind. And what is altered state of consciousness? <laughs> so we can be in a hypnotic state like this in the presence of doctors, teachers, or anyone who is in a position of power over us. Okay. The other way is also by listening to um, commercials with music. And there's certain kind of music that is put that has a certain brain wave or certain wave frequency of wave that is actually interacting with the subconscious mind that makes every suggestions in that in that um, song. Uh, advert or anything goes in without a problem. It's just because 
the brain wave or the wave or the frequency of the song is actually allowing the the subconscious mind to start working and be open okay this is why it is important to always rethink of what other people are telling us or to be much more conscious about what you are listening to when you are listening to a music a song an advert because you know a lot of different messages could come into your subconscious mind very easily and form a certain beliefs so the fourth way to form a belief is through teaching we are also in a suggestible state when we are in a role of a student many people resonate with this as they can easily remember times when they were told by teachers that they weren't trying hard enough that they were chatterbox or disruptive um, and also add these suggestions to a few um, school reports, for example. Um, you can have a traumatic learning and teaching experience rolled into one. The fifth way to form a belief is through unconscious modeling. The truth is we learn so much from modeling our parents, our family, and the people in our closest environment in the first few years of our lives. We copy what we see them doing, not necessarily what they are telling us to do. And this continues throughout life. Sometimes we have a role model and we copy their behaviors. Young people love celebrities and they model their behaviors, etc. But it is this process, modeling, unconscious modeling, is especially potent in those early years when we are in this theta sponge-like state because everything goes directly into the subconscious database. And finally, the sixth way to form a belief is through repetition. This is very much related to modeling because when we repeat an action, over and over and over again, it goes into the subconscious mind. This is why all athletes practice. This is why we practice piano, we practice swimming, whatever. Um, and also this explains why affirmation works only when you repeat it a lot, not just once or twice. Simply repeating things over and over and over again allows the suggestions to be part of the subconscious mind and to form a belief. By doing the repetition consistently, our pathways in the brain will change. And this is also known as neuroplasticity. So, essentially, beliefs are learned. These are learned assumptions that we start to form in the last trimester of being in our mother's wombs and up to the age when we turn six. Now, unfortunately, however, psychology reveals that up to 70% of these learned behaviors or beliefs are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting. And what I find mm, really fascinating is that over time, the running of self-sabotaging, disempowering and limiting beliefs will impact our body and can manifest itself into diseases. For me, this is 
a very fascinating topic, one that I'm still learning myself. And it deserves another episode for, for its own. So if you are by chance intrigued by this topic, this relations between beliefs and body, I would recommend you to read books from Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, Lisa Burbo, Carl Dawson, Marissa Peer, and a few others. I'd also recommend a book called The Body Keeps the Score, Mind, Brain and Body in the Transformation of Trauma by Bessel van der Kolk. Very fascinating book. So back again to beliefs. I remember sharing all this information in a workshop and I can see the faces of the people thinking, oh my God, what had happened in our lives. So I dropped a happy bomb (laughs) and this is what I'm about to do now with you. The best news of all this information that I just shared with you is that there are ways to upgrade and re-imprint beliefs. We can re- it's not permanent if you don't want it to be permanent. It's not the end of the world. Instead, it is the beginning of a, a new journey, a journey where you're consciously choosing how you want to live your life. First and foremost, choose the right beliefs for you. Everything we learn can be let go if we want to, and we can integrate new beliefs that are more relevant for the goals that you want in your life. And this is the whole point of this episode. You can do something about it, and if you are truly ready, it can happen relatively faster. For me, decluttering belief is the most important thing that you can do to yourself to have a healthier and more fulfilling relationships with yourself and consequently with other people. So here are the three steps to declutter your belief. The first step, find your emotional trigger. What is a trigger? (laughs) You may wonder. A trigger is something, okay, that provokes an intense and excessive emotional reaction within you. Common emotions that you you may experience when being triggered may include fear, anger, rage, sadness, and doubt, to name a few. We often call these as negative emotions. Now, trigger can come in a form of a person, of a goal, of a word, of opinion, of event, or situations. It doesn't always a person a situation can also trigger any emotion basically anything that creates invoke strong emotions in your heart so before i go deeper i'd like to share with you a word of caution here this exercise finding your trigger emotional trigger needs to be done with you taking responsibility of yourself If you feel that the trigger point that you want to get into will be too heavy to handle by yourself, I'd like you to get help and doing this with somebody who's trained to do it. But if you think that the trigger point that you are going to revisit is something that you can handle yourself, then it's it's up to you. Just remember to be careful and be wise when you are revisiting a trigger. Okay, don't do this alone. Be kind, be loving with yourself and be responsible for yourself. So, basically, find an emotional trigger is the first step. Once you have a trigger in mind, say a person or an event, I'd like you to revisit this memory. 
And what you do when you revisit this memory is just distance distance yourself from the memory as if you're watching like a, a screen TV, okay? And observe what kind of emotion ignited by this specific trigger and what the niggling voices that come with the emotions. So it is possible, for example, that the emotion may not be identified right away. That's very normal. If you can't find an emotion that that are coming from this trigger point, just feel your body, your own body. Feel your body and see if there are tensions anywhere. When you spot the tensions, just take a deep breath, tune into it, tell yourself you are not reliving this trigger, what you are doing is just revisiting the memory and then ask yourself what the emotion is saying what is the emotion that comes up and note it down so let me share with you practically uh, what it could look like from my own experience when my father passed away suddenly in 2012 within a few weeks after that a lot of gray hair showed up in my head Honestly, up to then, I was only aware of three gray hairs in my head. But all of a sudden, there's a bunch of them showing up. At the same time, my blood pressure went up really, really high. So when I had checked myself, the doctor said that I was under a lot of stress and also under a lot of exhaustions. Okay, So in this example, the trigger that I had was my dad passing away. And it created strong physical reactions. Come back again to the to the to the plot or the flow of the example. So when I came to I went to the doctor, I understood the urgency to do something because really my blood pressure was just hitting the roof. So I took um, some time off, basically to rest. And while I was resting, I also started to revisit basically what the emotions that came when in this event when my dad passed away and uh, but this was after my my body felt a bit stronger okay because it was i was very exhausted at that point so as i was doing this i was asking myself how i was feeling a few emotions came up i felt relieved because my dad passed so quickly without illness nor long term suffering it was very sudden i feel shattered I felt confused, I felt insecure, and I felt overwhelmed. Okay, so that was the emotions identified. Then I continue to say to myself, the next level of these emotions. So I took one emotions, I feel shattered because, and then I complete this sentence. So what I did was I took my journal, I start a sentence by saying, I am shattered because... And then I start to fill in the blanks as much as possible. I was just making lists of the reason why I feel shattered. Then the next one, I am insecure of blah, blah, blah. I am insecure because blah, blah, blah. And then the next one, I am confused about, etc. So I make this long list of in my journal of the reason why there's these emotions and what was actually that made it so so profound for me the emotion to be too, very profound for me and a few things did came up from this exercise i noticed from the out the list of things that i came up with i had the belief then that my parents were my safety net 
as my dad died and my mom was in deep grief, I un- unconsciously felt at that moment that my life was no longer safe for me. And that triggered a huge amount of stress in my body. So that was the first thing I discovered. In addition to that, I discovered another thing. I realized that I had a belief that I was responsible to take care of everyone in my family. So when I witnessed how much my mom grieved for my dad, I felt like I was out of depth in terms of skills to support her in the way that suits her. And that made me feel that I had failed her. Because seeing her suffer at that time was almost like a statement to my face that I was powerless and helpless. And these beliefs, I am powerless, helpless, I cannot take care of everyone, actually cause another level of stress. And this program, they're all unconsciously running. I'm not on my conscious level, I don't think like that. And I also don't feel that, but on the unconscious level, this was something very strong. Therefore, the tensions, the high blood pressure, and the gray hair. There were a couple of more beliefs that came from that particular trigger. Um, and, and realizing them, by the way, helped me to understand why I was so overwhelmed with the whole thing and, I, and also explain why I had a niggling voice saying to me that I did not know how to live anymore. A note here, I did not want to die. That's not the point. I love my life. But I have this niggling voice in me that says, I don't know how to live anymore, obviously, because I don't know how to solve, to, to, to um, be responsible of everyone. So that's why I don't know how to live. And that's because that now that the safety net is not longer there, I'm then responsible for everybody. <laughs> this sounded so weird in a way because con- consciously, why do I even think that? But unconsciously, there was this was a, a program that I wired in my system. So, yes. So to conclude, the first step is pick a trigger. It could be event, it could be person, it could be a word, it could be situation, it could be anything. Ask what the emotions being provoked there and extract the niggling voices that came with the emotions. These may lead you to some unconscious belief that you still have. That's the first step. The second step to declutter your belief is to decide what you want to do with the identified beliefs you have. Some are uplifting, some are limiting, Make a decision. If you want to replace the limiting ones with the more uplifting ones, decide what the new beliefs are. I would like to make you aware of something here. And I'd like you to remember this. When it comes to mindfully and purposefully upgrade your beliefs, take your time to decide. Why? Because everything that you decide to put into your system will have a domino effect on your life. It will impact many parts of your life. It will ignite changes in your life. Some are big and some are small. It will happen. So be clear and grounded as to why you choose to live your life based on a certain belief. Be mindful that whatever you bring into your system 
will create a different life that you know so far. When I realize the kind of beliefs I held on to and created such kind of stress in my body, I immediately decided that these beliefs, old beliefs, limiting beliefs are to leave me forever. I love my life and I want to make the most of my time here. And for that, it is important to have a healthy body. So what I did was, I questioned the validity of the existing belief then. Obviously, when I was a child, my parents were my safety net. Before six years old, my life was dependent on my parents. But in 2012, that's not the case. I am responsible for my life. I was responsible. I was taking care of myself. I was an adult. I am, or I was, and still am, my own safety net, which means I am responsible for my own happiness and well-being. I can get help from others, but ultimately, it is my responsibility. So, the belief that exists then is not valid in my life anymore. I don't want them anymore. I'm changing them. On the other belief, which was I was responsible for everybody, I immediately realized what an impossible task I've put myself under and what a weight I had carried on my shoulders. I chose to work with a therapist on this. And we went to the moment when I locked in that responsibility in my childhood. And there was a very valid reason why my parents were raising us in a certain way. But that was not something that I want to do anymore. In hindsight, I could see how I had been behaving throughout my life based on this belief, the over-responsibility that I carried. I could see how that contributed to my burnout in 2008. I could see how that belief impacted my relationships with my family, friends, colleagues, and clients. Let me say something here. Not all of the impacts are negative. Some are very, very positive, but positive for the other people more than for me. Such belief brought an immense unrequired burden to myself. That I made the decision had to go. This is not something I want to keep in my life. This belief is to leave my life permanently. So I replace all these beliefs. I replace them with the belief that I'm responsible for myself and others are responsible for their lives. I also replace the other beliefs which I am my own safety net and I am also a powerful, empowered adult woman with a huge amount of coping skills. I also replace the belief that I'm always supported and connected to my creator and to the people all around me and that help is always available for me. One thing that I'm also adding into this uh, belief is that is about asking for help. Up to that moment, asking for help was not easy for me. Offering help was. So when I changed the belief that asking for help or giving and receiving help is a way to love and connect deeper with others, that uplifts me to think that. And I give myself the permission to ask help instead of just offering help, but to do both offer and ask and receive help. And I let go the judgment that I had towards myself that asking for help is a weakness.
So I hope the example get help you to understand what you have to do on the second the second step. So as a summary, the second step is to ask yourself what you want to do with your limiting beliefs and decide instead what do you want to replace them with. Now we're getting to the third and final step, which is let go the limiting beliefs and replace them with the uplifting ones. Guys, there's no way around this. You need to work with on your subconscious level. If you want to bring these beliefs into an, uh, an autopilot, an automode behavior in yourself, that it becomes a part of who you are. When you only work with your conscious mind, you can make a shift, but it would be it wouldn't be something that is automatic for you, but something that you have to do and manage. It takes more energy to do it, okay? So the best is just to integrate the uplifting beliefs to be part of who you are. Therefore, work with your subconscious mind. And there are two ways to do this. First is the do-it-yourself way. And the second is to get a support from a professional. Let me share with you what you can do for yourself. And this is the way that I like to do it, okay? This is not the only way to do it. So I'd like you to take two pieces of paper, okay? One is for your limiting belief and one is for your uplifting beliefs that you want to instill in your life. So in each sheet of paper, list them all and get them out from your subconscious mind into the paper. The act of writing and put the words out from your subconscious mind carries the energy of both, the definitely the limiting beliefs into the paper, okay? Next, set your intention to permanently let go these limiting beliefs and then burn the paper. Make sure you are safe in doing that. So as you finish with burning the paper, I'd like you to find a quiet place where you can take a deep breath, center yourself, relax your mind, and then set your intention to instill all the up, new uplifting beliefs into your life and to be a part, to make it part of who you are. So as you do this, pick up the papers that outline all the uplifting beliefs you want and take a deep breath, be in your body and read them out loud. Read them out loud a couple of times until you feel that it is in your body. Whatever it is that you write in the paper for the uplifting beliefs, just repeat, repeat, repeat until you find that it's in your body, until you embody these uplifting beliefs. Once you've done this, make some affirmations, okay, based on the uplifting beliefs and repeat these affirmations multiple times per day. Your subconscious mind needs repetition to reprogram itself. I have my affirmation sentences in my calendar that it pops up multiple times per day, for example, it's practical solutions. Um, I also have one line of sentence, my affirmation on, you know, sticked on my computer screen because I work with my computer all the time. So I see it all the time, I read it all the time, I repeat all the time. This is one way that you could do it at home. Now, the more comprehensive way and the most effective way to do this from time, energy and money perspective is to gain help from a therapist who work with subconscious mind reprogramming. It is so much better because you will go through a deeper session where you can be relaxed, facilitated, and very likely the therapist will help you to understand more of your 
uh, beliefs that you otherwise couldn't identify by yourself. Personally, I know intimately three methods to do that. And these are the methods I work with with my clients with a phenomenal results. The first one is Rapid Transformational Therapy or RTT. The second one is Emotional Freedom Technique or widely known as EFT. And the third is Matrix Reimprinting. RTT uses hypnosis to get the mind into the altered state, while EFT and matrix reimprinting using, are using tapping to do so. Tapping is basically a gentle touch to some acupuncture points in our body. And this is a very, these are very, very effective tools to reprogram your subconscious mind. Are these the only tools available out there to do so? No, absolutely not. I would encourage you actually to research some of them and find the ones that is actually best for you. And also the nicest thing about uh, these therapeutic methods to reprogram your subconscious mind, most of them can be done virtually. I work with clients from all parts of the world, which means the appropriate help for you is out there. It's all about just going out there and get them. If you want to know more about how my clients enjoy the benefits of these therapeutic methods, I would invite you to my website at the following link, www.upliftmylife.today forward slash uplifting stories. And if you're interested to speak to me directly as well, easy, email me and we can arrange that. I'm very passionate about sharing the powerful tools that I know of um, to reprogram your beliefs. So, as a conclusion for the third step in decluttering your beliefs, there are two main ways to reprogram your subconscious mind. One is the exercise that you can do alone, and the other one is to gain professional help from a therapist that work with your subconscious mind. So before I end this loaded of information episode, I'd like to share with you what impact decluttering my beliefs have in my life today. The very fact that I am sharing what I learned in this podcast and the very fact that it is being listened to by you, which are coming from all corners of the world, is a testament of the benefit of decluttering my belief system. I managed to overcome many of my fears to answer my calling, to share my thoughts, to take on a role as a coach and as a therapist. And while doing so, I had been able to continue caring, nurturing, and loving myself. By having my life run out of uplifting beliefs, that is relevant or are relevant for me now, I am able to work with many people who are facing their deep fears without being scared of losing myself in the process. I can safely say by decluttering my beliefs and choosing for the ones that are aligned with how I want to live my life, I am able to show up first and foremost in my life with more ease and consequently I am able to show up for the people who want and ready to receive my help. 
So guys, as we are reaching the end of this episode, one more time I'd like to invite you to get in touch with me. If you wish to know more about how to reprogram beliefs, simply write me at the following email address to set that up. Astuti at upliftmylife.today I look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. And in the meantime, thank you for being here and happy decluttering your beliefs and keep on uplifting your life every day. Bye, everybody.